0: Welcome back for another episode with me, and as almost always, I'm joined by my buddy Ronnie. Hello, everybody. So Ronnie, lucky weekend for you, hey? You started off Friday night losing badly to me on the Xbox. We played some Jonah Lomi Challenge 2. What was the scoreline there? I can't tell you. (laughs) You can't tell us or you don't want to tell us?
1: I just can't tell you. It's irrelevant.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good 50-pointer, I think, I put over you there. It was France versus New Zealand, so maybe a bit of a sign for what's to come in the World Cup. Delusional on my part or yours your pot on my part your i don't know that's another bold statement from ronald over here after predicting Ron Pinard would make a box in last week's episode well he's retiring after the world cup i'm not saying it can't happen it definitely could but you're yeah. giving
1: me shit for something that could possibly that you agree could possibly happen yeah but
0: what would this podcast be if i wasn't going to give you shit just be two dudes talking about rugby okay well, Ronnie, we had some heavy URC action. It was the last round of the weekend. We had Stormers. They beat Benetton 38-22. Big win for the Stormers. They needed that one. What did you make of that game? Yeah,
1: surprising, really. I, I lie. I actually it went the way that I thought it would go. So Stormers convincing win over Benetton. You'd think that Benetton would have wanted to leave the South African
0: Tour with a win under the belt, and they didn't get that right. But it's difficult to go and beat the Stormers. So we actually had a, an argument about this game. Where was this game played, Ronnie? In the Western Cape. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, you are right. Okay, that's cool. So that's... Settles that
1: settles <laughs> it. That's us move Ulster, Edinburgh.
0: No, 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 no. We're not moving on that fast. So this game was an important one for Stormers. They obviously wanted to end higher on the log above Ulster. But they suffered a heavy injury toll in this fixture. Both locks, Ruben van Heerden and Ernst van Rijn going down injured. They also lost Sinatra to injury, as well as Suleiman Hartenberg. So, not a great time for the Stormers heading into the playoff stages now.
1: Not a great time, but at least they made it. Well done to them, they top three, right? They could have been top two, which would have given them, well, home advantage all the way through, unless Leinster, they there to play Leinster. Still, I think top three, it's a lot better than the Sharks.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Stormers going on there to score six tries to three in that fixture. Two for flanker of Willi Engelbrecht. But I think a player for me that really shone for the Stormers in this game, and actually a lot this season, is Dan DuPlessis. He's really built up a nice head of steam there in the centers, and you know, being injury-free for the first full season, he's really come into his own for the Stormers. What do you mean by injury-free for the first season? So if we put him on your scale... Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get to. If if he point three. If he point three? Yeah. Does that work on your scale? Well, if he thinks it works, then it must work. That's so, yeah, joke. Dan Diplicy, I thought he had, a, he had a very good game. Clayton Blomicky getting man of the match in that one. But I think something that disappointed me on the fixture was Ivan versus discipline, not what you want to see from him shoving a player's face into the ground. He's a young player. Young players tend to do that, right? They, they want to impose themselves into the, in the game as this
1: physical presence. And, you know, if they're not getting it through legal means, they might just work themselves into the gray area.
0: But you see, that's also something people calling him the, the sort of the fake tough guy now because he has to use dirty tactics, not like Irvin and them who are just out and out hard men and impre- impose themselves. At one on the
1: point, was also uh, uh, had to impose himself through, through the gray area.
0: I suppose that's also true. So maybe it is just the thing of the youngsters. But we do know that was one of the hesitations the Bok coaches had about selecting Ivan last year. So disappointing to see it still such a prominent portion of his game.
1: Yeah, I think, I don't think so bad. Look, every now and again you get heated in rugby, you push someone's face into the ground. It's not nice to see
0: as a spectator, but
1: it's part of the game, you want to be
0: physical. But I mean, you say that, Ronnie, now we look at how overly cumbersome the referees have become. And something like that is not what you want in a player you take to the World Cup, because that can cost you a yellow card yes, it can cost you a yellow card if if you're not smart about it,
1: right? So if you do it in the first two minutes before the warning's been set, I think you can get away with it. But look, Bucky's did it. Even Itzabeth has done it at some point. Skull Berger has
0: done it before in the past. Sometimes you just, these things happen. You get a little bit heated, you get a little bit angry. Yeah, I think the game has moved on though from when Bucky's boy to used to pull the kind of things he did on the field. Then Ulster, they got a 28-14 win over Edinburgh. That was the game that sunk the Stormers' hopes of a home semi-final. Ulster ultimately finishing above them in second place on the log. Good win for the Ulster men. Well, well done to Ulster by securing that second spot on the log, proving that Irish still very dominant in the URC. Yeah, and I mean, led by Dwayne Vermeulen, he had a commanding performance for them again. He's also starting to build up a nice head of steam, which is great to see. Then we had the double header at Loftus. The Lions kicking off the first fixture of the day. They got a 50 points to 35 win over Zebra. Zebra ending the season without a single win. Zero from 18.
1: We had some sour Bulls fans on our WhatsApp group slate the Lions for only beating Zebra by 15 points. But I think if you can look past that and see that the Lions put 50 points on the scoreboard. It was very impressive for the Lions.
0: Yeah, I mean, Lions scored eight tries in total. Yaku Kriel scoring one on his last outing for the side before he hangs up his boots, so that was great to see. But I think that was a defensive coach's nightmare, that fixture.
1: Absolutely, a lot of tries led through across the park. But maybe that's the way that rugby's moving these days. You're seeing big scores across the board in a lot of games, so maybe it's becoming more of an attacking game.
0: And with the Lions now bowing out of the URC ahead of the quarterfinals, we will shortly just take a look at their season and chat what, what to expect going forward. But Nohamba notching up another man of the match in that one.
1: Yeah, I thought we spoke favorably of him last week with his chicken wing pass, which was impressive to see. So well done to Nohamba. looks like he's finding his feet
0: with the Burke side. And then second fixture at Loftus for the day, Bills getting a massive 62-7 point win over Leinster. What do you make of that, Ronnie?
1: I think I said, I don't know who I said it to, but the Bulls the are a great side and the Bulls can really put big scores like this over a lot of teams. I know we are talking about the fact that it's the Leinster, depending on who you ask, the under 15 side or under 12 side or C team or whatever you want to call it, but still 62 points over the log leaders is very impressive and that's what the Bulls are capable of. They're just not very consistent in, in achieving those big scores.
0: Yeah, look, whatever side you want to call it from Leinster, ultimately you can only play the team that's in front of you. And I think to put context to this, Leinster haven't lost a game since they lost to the Bulls in last year's semi-final. But they also rotate their squad a lot, where the senior players are not part of the tour now. But these youngsters that were here and did play the Bulls have performed admirably for Leinster prior to this fixture. So you have to give the Bulls a little bit of credit for pulling off such a big victory.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, that fix just saw the Bulls score nine tries to one. I don't think I've ever seen Ruan Nokia so happy in my life in his pre- post-match interview. Very, very happy man. But a try, two tries each for Kirtley Arendse, Kanan Moody and Johan Grobelard. I think the difference in the Bulls side from a player perspective that I can see is Johan Gurssen's return. Is he the key element that they've been missing? No,
1: no, they definitely not. They've got Mournay Steyn, which is still way better.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see that Kirsten's come back because he has been playing fairly well since he's come back. But to call him the difference, I'm not so sure I would go that far. They definitely are playing a little bit better with his presence. But yeah, the Bulls seem to be building up a bit of a head of steam finally after their mid-season wobble.
1: Is that your new catchphrase, head of steam? Could be.
0: I'm tra- You know what? You've got so many on this show that I'm trying to come up with one of my own, Ronald. Well, you said it four times on this podcast already. Well for it to become my saying, I have to repeat it. Okay. Well, head of steam. And then we take over to Dragons. They got a 31-14 win over Scarlet. Both those sides are out of the URC going forward. Scarlet's still looking to to step it up a bit because they could still earn themselves a position in the
1: Champions Cup if they win the EPCR, the Challenge Cup.
0: And that would be the only way the Sharks rescue their season. So that's for the U- for if they win the URC, yes,
1: then they can make it into the Champions Cup. But for the Scarlets and for Benetton,
0: you know, they need to win the Challenge Cup. Makes for very interesting reading. And then the Sharks had their fate in their own hands when they went to take on Munster. Which this was disappointing. Very disappointing fixture. Sharks held a massive lead, and then it ended as a 22-all draw. Kinda we were like leading by
1: 19 away. points, and the commentators and everyone were had written Munster off. And uh, what we scored our 22 points as Sharks by the 43rd minute, and then scored nothing after that. Every other point going to Munster, who then ultimately secured the draw. And with that, yeah, it took away, uh, hammered at the Sharks' chances of making it into the Champions Cup. Uh, leaving them with the only option of winning the URC to make it in.
0: Yeah, it was disappointing to see that from the Sharks. Like Ronnie said, you know, they had a 19-point lead at one point, and then they just surrendered it. It was a real implosion from the side, and they really seem to be without answer when another team turns up the pressure on them. But how powerful was that Sharks scrum? Very powerful.
1: number of times we out Munster. Sure, it was very impressive to see. mall also worked really well for the Sharks. It was ultimately a good game for a neutral to watch, but disappointing if you're a Sharks fan.
0: Well, you say that and, you know, we actually remarked on it whilst we were watching the game and I saw the commentary team did the same and said, you know, this is a lack of fixture to watch. Sharks versus Munster. It's a lot of attacking rugby. It's a good flowing game. Then suddenly there were two yellow cards and the whole game seemed to have fallen apart. It became very messy, very unstructured.
1: Well, not just that. The injuries as well added to that, which is quite concerning for us as Sharks.
0: Yeah, well, Sharks and Springboks. We saw Springbok captain Sio Khaleesi go down. He seems to have suffered an injury to his medial ligament. That will later be confirmed. So we
1: expect the social media team to put a post on that. But I understand he's going for scans today.
0: Yeah, so the Sharks team will come out. Their medical team will come out probably on Monday or Tuesday. And let us know what we can expect there. Good signs that we did see him play on for a few minutes. And then also walk after the game.
1: Yeah, I we remarked that's probably the time it took rassi to call the Sharks
0: management. And have them pull Sia off the field. <laughs> yeah, I reckon it was just about the amount of time that they needed to make that call. But Ronnie, moment of the match for me. Hands down goes to Big Ox in chair. One-on-one with an outside center. Antoine Frisch. And Ox makes the hit, eh? Not often you see a front row forward make a one-on-one with a back.
1: And then appropriately awarded man of the match for his performance in the game.
0: Exactly. And then a funny moment Belinda pointed out to me, which I don't know if you've actually seen, that big scuffle that went on between Munster and the Sharks on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going at it. And in the background, you see Ox walk off the field and go shake out hand on the bench. And they're just having a chat in the background. <laughs> That's rugby for you, hey?
1: Yeah, well, there were enough players that were involved in that, so.
0: (laughs) Over to Ospreys, they lost at home 21 points to 38 against Cardiff, also ending off a bit of a disappointing season for them.
1: Yeah, look, I think it's Cardiff that's leading the regional pool for them. So, you know, Cardiff needed to make sure that they weren't going to lose that top spot and, and also with that, their position in the Champions Cup for next year.
0: Then lastly a game that held much significance for the Sharks until they drew with Munster was the Warriors versus Connacht game and Warriors actually edging out a 29-27 win there.
1: Yeah so this was obviously like you mentioned, quite disappointing as a Sharks fan. If we had won against Munster we would have most likely overtaken Connacht on the log. I'm not really sure with the one point secured by Connacht whether that would still have been the case but I think the Sharks would have still been ahead on the log and that's also you could say secured their position for the most part. Yeah,
0: so that wraps up the last regular round of URC action. There'll be a break now while the Champions Cup semi finals get underway. But, Ronnie, Lions having bowed out of the competition now, what do you make of their season?
1: I think you said it a few weeks ago where Lions were quite close and position seven, eight, nine, and 10 were very close in terms of overall points. And, uh, you know, look, they ended up, I think, in ninth on the log. So they came in very, very close. Some hit and misses throughout the season, some strong performances, and then just let it slip in crucial games, which is disappointing.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Lions' win rate is not that far off the Sharks and the Bulls. And, you know, had they not lost last weekend's fixture late to Leinster, they would have been into the playoffs of the Sharks, especially with the Sharks drawing to Munster. So not the season you would, want from the Lions. But I think they can be happy that with being fed hot dogs in France and all the chaos going on behind the scenes, they managed to put on a display that almost got them into the playoffs. Almost. But now looking at next year, I mean, what can the Lions really do to improve and sort things out now? Because John de Villiers actually made comments on it. You know, the Lions don't offer anything to the young player to come to their union. You know, they've got no spring box that you say, you know, come here, learn from our box, get that experience. They don't have a winning culture. They don't have a nice home stadium to go play at. So, you know, how are the Lions going to sort out these pipelines and make sure they're starting to secure good talent? Because they cannot be building forever.
1: Yeah, well, you have to, we have to win games to secure investment. And investment is what you need to fix all of those things that you just mentioned.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a tough one for the Lions. They first need to sort out the management structures. That seems to be their biggest hindrance at the moment. You know, where can they improve? Yeah, look,
1: it's disappointing, though, with the, with the Lions that often recruit players who then just find themselves being snatched up by the bigger unions. Unfortunately, they've lost quite a few players over the recent over recent seasons. But yeah, look, they've got to find some investment. They've got to find some money and buy some really powerful players to bolster their ranks a bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're set to lose Jakub Creel now. And the Springboks that they do have are very aged players, the likes of Willem Albert, Janu Duplessis, and so on. So it would be great to see them make one or two marquee signings, you know, to, to bolster their squad. And also nurturing the signings that they do have in the likes of Sané Nohamba, He really thrived there. Edwin van der Merwe had a good season. You know, they'll be looking to come back Henku van Veik next year when he recovers from his knee injury. But they really are missing that sting BMT factor in their squad. So that's something I think they'll have to put their heads together ahead of next season. Then Ronnie, playoff dates. For the quarterfinals, I think that's going ahead on the 5th and 6th of March, am I correct? Next year, or are you talking about May this year? Oh,
1: apologies, May. Apology accepted. Look, so you've got the 6th of May, you've got the DHL Stormers versus the Vodacom Bills, which is a little bit disappointing based on where everyone finished in the log. You don't want South African teams knocking each other out, but that seems to be the case here, unavoidable. So DHL Stormers versus Vodacom Bulls on the 6th of May. And that's actually an interesting one because that's a repeat of last year's final. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting. You know, South African teams like to go hard against one another. Then we've got Glasgow versus Munster, also on the 6th of May. Leinster versus the Sharks. So the Sharks really need to pull off a win here. It's going to be very difficult because Leinster will bolster their team with some top... Top team players,
0: top name players. About 13 guys the Leinster squad can call back in. Yeah, so that's a little
1: bit nervous, but you know, the Sharks, if they want to make the Champions Cup, they need to beat Leinster, and that's going to be a big ask, but let's hope they can do it. 6th of May still, Ulster vs Connacht, so an all-Irish affair. Do you call that an all-Irish affair, considering Ulster's actually Northern Ireland? I don't know. Someone from Ireland can correct me, Uh, but yeah, Ulster
0: vs Connacht then is the last game
1: that'll be in the first round of of knockouts
0: so i mean in that that setup you're probably looking at wins realistically for the stormers for leinster for ulster and you call yourself a sharks fan you give me so
1: much shit about the fact that i don't always support the sharks even though they are my team now you've just gone ahead and assumed that the Leinster are going to win
0: you know it will reserve criticism of this to less your super brew pick for the quarterfinal okay ronnie okay so yeah some some big matchups coming there we will definitely be covering them in the build-up to those games. And then also, you know, Loftus really was the place to be this weekend. You could have seen two URC clashes as well as the Curry Cup clash thereafter between the Lions and the Bulls. So let's start with that one. Bulls secured a 30-19 win over the Lions, and now their third win in a row in the Curry Cup. Oh, I'll add to the Bulls. But, I mean, with the whole Curry Cup, it's difficult to to make something of it because you're still keeping
1: an eye on the URC and the Champions and Challenge Cups and all of that. So Curry Cup, we spoke about this It's become the new Vodacom Cup, but yeah, well done to the Bills, nonetheless.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a marked turnaround from the Bills' side. They were losing to everybody. They lost to the Griffins, and then here they come back, and now they've won three in a row with Jake White taking the coaching reins. But I did see a very funny tweet this morning, which I did share on the group, that Johan Gurssen is the only fly-half to have lost to the Griffins and beaten Leinster. That's unbelievable. (laughs) That gave me quite a laugh. Obviously a bit of ridiculous trivia that, but it is indeed true. Then the Pumas, they got a 25 points to 24 win over Western Province. They were playing at home. That puts them back at the top of the log. Yeah, look, I'm always for the underdog. and I suppose you can't really call them the underdogs
1: at the moment because, yeah, reigning champs Pumas, but it's a good win for the Pumas.
0: Yeah, definitely a good win for the Pumas. One point's enough, right? A win's a win's a win. Yep, definitely a good win for them. That's put them back above on top of the log. And I mean, the only one they've let slip so far is a fixture against the Sharks. And then speaking of the Sharks, they got an away win in Bloemfontein over the Cheetahs, 24 points to 17. They'll be quite happy with that outing, I'm sure.
1: Well, in the past, people used to say, where do the Sharks stay when they go to Bloemfontein? And the answer was at home. Uh, We (laughs) used to have a lot of free state players in in our ranks. I wonder if the case, if that still stands. But yeah, irrespective of that, well done to the Sharks.
0: Very nice. Convincing win. Cheaters aren't easy. Definitely not. And that Cheaters side is stacked now that they're not partaking in the Challenge Cup anymore. But Ronnie, the Curry Cup fixtures lead me onto to a question. And this is something I'd like to have a little bit of a chat about. And that's player welfare. You know, we've seen World Rugby come out as well as the unions, my players, associations, whoever you want to name, saying, you know, player welfare is our top priority. Is that really the case when you see something like I'm about to to, to say here? So you had Vierja Steenkamp. He benched for the Bulls in the URC and then started at 8th man in the Curry Cup. Then you've got Cornel Hendricks. He benched for URC and Curry Cup yesterday. And then you've got a player like Quade Cooper, who is still injured, but his team in Japan, the Liners, put him on the field. For one minute, just to make sure that he was eligible to play in the playoff stages, when he will be match fit later, is that really focusing on player welfare? That's yeah, a difficult one to say. We also spoke about Brock Harris, and we congratulated him a few weeks ago,
1: playing two games in one day. I think that there's much, much to be desired still with respect to the global calendar and the year-long calendars and the long seasons and stuff and, and looking after player welfare I don't think that we've reached the sweet spot yet but I suppose we're working towards it.
0: You know in saying this I'm sure the players minutes are being managed overall you know in terms of how long they are actually on the field but you can't imagine it's great for a player welfare perspective to play in two fixtures I mean that's something you do as an 18 year old school kid when you know the next day you're ready to go again not when you're in your 30s and and having to compete at such a high level in the sport. And I think the impact and the size of the players, it's its really not painting a good picture for the image world rugby is trying to create around this.
1: There's a lot of dodgy behaviour too. We all with Owen Farrell, they played him with the Saracens, so that or made him eligible for the Saracens to get around being eligible then for, and serving as bad and then playing for England. So a lot of these teams are being very dodgy about these things. So where do you draw the line and, and who controls well? Player welfare it should be the national union that determines at the end of the day who's eligible when
0: i 100 percent agree and i mean this is something that's not on our agenda but it is something i was reading up on today a lot of people complaining about super rugby because players are being made to rest throughout super rugby and to me i find that a little bit silly because the new zealand setup is vastly different to that of the south african and if you've got now sides Clashing in your domestic competition that's not being interrupted by an international season and other competitions. There should be no need to rest these guys at club or am I off the beat there, Ronnie?
1: No, I hundred percent agree with you.
0: So that seems to be a big bug that they're having over there dealing with super rugby at the moment. I think there's a lot of confusion across the board and how to approach this properly. But fortunately that's not ours to solve.
1: Yeah, we would not get paid money to solve those problems. We can only comment from a distance. Exactly. <laughs> But speaking of
0: confusion... Yeah, take it away, Ronnie. Tell us a little bit about this confusion. So there's something
1: that we've got an issue with at the moment that came out this week regarding the kit changes and for people that colorblind. So I don't know if that's the right term. I believe there's more scientific term. But basically stating that you need a dark uh, color playing against a light color. So the, uh, the black jersey from the All Blacks versus the dark green jersey from the Springboks. Probably won't see that happening again, just to make it a little bit easier for people with colorblindness to
0: differentiate the teams. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. And just to to fill in there what Ronnie said, the correct term is CVD, which stands for color vision deficiency. Color vision.
1: That sounds way better than colorblindness.
0: So the interesting thing I thought or saw whilst researching this, they, the stats that they drew on is that one in 12 males have some sort of colorblindness, and 1 in 200 females have this. And now, when you say have some sort of it, this is not that they are colorblind. They might not see orange or reds or whatever it might be. But are those numbers really sufficient to say we need to make this change, Ronnie? Well, at the end of the day,
1: it's a very simple change to be very inclusive of people with, what did you say, CVD. So I don't think it's actually much of a, an issue. So something that is such a small change to include more people, by all means, go for
0: it. You see, I have to strongly disagree with you here now, because do you realize you won't see the Springboks and All Blacks play in black and green and gold again?
1: Yeah, but me wanting to see the Springboks and All Blacks playing in green and black, I feel sorry for somebody who can't watch that and enjoy it as much as I can.
0: Yeah, you see, I think we're, we're appeasing to the minorities too much in a situation like this, That is the commentary that's coming out and it's commentary made by the New Zealand Rugby Union as well as Saru as they fight back against this policy. I mean, it goes deeper than just the ability to see the match. A lot of corporate branding goes into it as well. And if you market the Springboks as the Green and Gold or the All Blacks as the All Blacks, you want to see them play the majority of their fixtures in those colours. So it goes much deeper into the union's financial structures as well.
1: Look, I think at the end of the day, these are just small issues that that can be dealt with quite easily. It's the same as moving the the Springbok logo to the sleeve off the chest. You you know, really, there's there's bigger fights that we need to fight in World Rugby. I don't think we really need to concern ourselves with such a minor change.
0: Yeah, I don't know, Ronnie. The commentary that I've seen, and just to address some of that, it's not that everyone has to play in white now because that would defeat the purpose entirely, which I've seen a lot of people commenting on social media. It's that one team must play in dark, one team must play in light, so that you have that variation from a viewing perspective. But, you know, where does it stop then? I saw on, the, on our group, someone says that in hockey, they now use different shaped cards for red and a yellow. And that's and, all. That's been the case for a very long time. Yeah. So, you know, that's something that then might get introduced. But I think forcing a team to play in alternate colors is a bit of a stretch because think about it now. The Springboks can't play Wales, they can't play Ireland. France, All Blacks, Australia in their home colours. Well, they can if the opposition team just decides to use an alternative
1: colour, which I think is ultimately the case. We've always had a home and away jersey.
0: But we traditionally only use our away jersey against France and but Ireland. Traditions are meant to be broken, my friend. And no, that, rea- is, that is definitely not what I agree with. No, look, I mean, it's,
1: if somebody has the CVD and they really can't enjoy a game because they can't discern between the attacking and defending team, You know, we're just saying, oh, screw you. You
0: I don't think we're saying screw you, but at what? if you're going to now go to one in every 12 person of everything, you're never going to find a sport that can cater to all of that. But we
1: don't have to go to one in 12 of everything. We can see that this is something that's very simple to fix. And all it's going to mean is that people have to just get used to the fact that you won't say, see
0: green versus black. You're not going to see white versus green or white versus black. I definitely don't agree that this is a good idea. And to be honest, you're definitely the first person I've come across that does think so.
1: Well, the thing is, who do you, who usually comments on social media? It's usually very abrasive trolls on social media. People with a very sensible judgment don't comment on social media. So that's the commentary that you're looking at, my friend.
0: I suppose that's true. You do tend to only get the extremists coming and commenting. But yeah, I just can't imagine a test between the Springboks and All Blacks where. One of the two sides is playing in white. I think that steals from the occasion in my mind. Yeah, you
1: remember back in the day, they used to play with a leather ball as well. Then somebody came along one day and said, listen, I don't think we should be playing with a leather ball. I think we should be using this new age a Gilbert rubber rugby ball. People were like, no, but that defeats the purpose. We've always been playing it with a leather ball. It adds to the challenge. In wet rugby, it becomes slippery. You know, these things change. And if you're not rolling with the changes, then you're going to be left behind.
0: And Ronnie, what is the last fact if I was to tell you that the person driving this is Bill Beaumont? Yeah, I don't like Bill Beaumont. Because he's got colorblindness.
1: Well, look, at the end of the day, people, people raise awareness for things that affect them in their personal lives. Is uh, that not true?
0: I suppose that is true. You do make a point there.
1: Of course I make a point. I'm a genius.
0: Well, Ronnie, leaving that debate behind then, we have a bit of a Bok injury list to contend with at the moment. The likes of Irban, Elizabeth, Sio Jaden Jaden Hendriksa, Salman Murat, Argeus Snyman. Is Archie Snyman injured? Okay, he's concussed, right? Well, last week you told me that counts as an injury. Okay, cool. No, that's fine. Carry on <laughs> with the list. Franz Stein and Dion Ferry. A lot of locks, a lot of forwards in there. Jaden's the only backline player. And Franz. Uh, and Franz,
1: but he could play forward.
0: So, yeah, it's a bit concerning to see, I think, Irwin and Sia the most missed out of that bunch. As we said earlier, we need to wait and see how serious Sia's injury is. But those are not some, some of those names are not ones you want to see on an injury list the year of a World Cup.
1: No, you absolutely don't. But this happens every World Cup cycle. Leading up to the World Cup, we've got some injury where everybody's concerned. Uh, and they either pull it off right at the end and make it into the team. Or we find a replacement, like Franz Stein replacing uh, Jean de Villiers to win the 2007 World Cup. So I'm going to stay positive and believe that we've got a plan for these players, and I'm also going to believe that some of the injuries are not so serious. That Eben's going to be back, Sia's going to be back, Jaden's going to be back, and <sighs> injury prone, my friend, I'm not gambling <laughs> on on whether you being you being fit, France. I'd like to see you there, but unfortunately, my friend, getting a bit slow. And uh, Dion, so that's Dion Fari, right? Correct. Now oh, Fari's a jolly good fellow, and um, yeah, I hope he. Is a jolly good fellow at the end of it.
0: Yeah, actually good news. You know, Irvin coming out today saying he's going to be ready to join the box for the first test against Australia at Loftus. He's hoping that's when he'll be recovered by, so that would be great to see at the very least. So SA Rugby coming out today and saying that there will be no foreign coach in the running for the Springboks. So as we did say last week, you heard it here first. We're so smart. <laughs> yeah, we got that one. So sorry, what did they say? No
1: foreign coach or no foreign
0: Based coach, no foreign coach, so they're not looking at someone. that's and then not any jokes, correct, or a Dave Rennie or someone like that. But we knew that we knew that was going to happen. Correct. The only Rennies we like in South Africa is the ones we eat after a braai. <laughs> that's and a good joke. Thanks, Ronnie. Uh, Jack Noel. We spoke a little bit about his incident last week. He was fined ten thousand pounds by the UK or the RFU, I should say. Fine fitting of the crime,
1: Ronnie, or not? Look, I think is I think him being punished at all is, is, a, is, re- is just a slap in the face, right, for all of us. You can't criticize World Rugby now. It's become a dictatorship, and I don't agree with any of it.
0: Yeah, I don't agree with any of it, but I think in the light of how Russi's tweets were handled, this one had to be handled in similar fashion. So
1: you're in the, in the park, in the camp, that says Jack Noel must be fined and punished accordingly because Russi was punished. Correct. Precedents. Precedents, sure, but overall, I think both punishments were crap.
0: No, 100% agree. I think it's ludicrous that you can't speak out. But if you're going to find Russie, you have to find Jack. That's basically what I'm trying to say. And then over to the Super Rugby Ronnie, some interesting results there. Force beating the Highlanders, 30 points to 17. Yeah, I
1: didn't see that coming. But obviously, they're doing something good there at the Western Force.
0: Or something very bad at the Highlanders.
1: Something very bad at the Highlanders could be true.
0: So that was an interesting one. Then the Blues also getting a 55 to 21 points win over the Waratahs. I think that one was much to be expected. We saw the Saders get a 43-27 win on the road over the Rebels. And lastly, Chiefs continuing with their head of steam. Fourth time. (laughs) Chiefs 50-17 for the Fijian Drua. Sorry, just repeat that. I was laughing at your joke. Chiefs getting a 50 to 17 point
1: over the Fijian Drua. Well, yeah, well done. Chiefs. They really are the team to beat. They've had a sterling start to Super Rugby and that's just continued through the season. Unfortunate for Fiji and Drew, we see they've had a couple of good performances recently, but weren't able to
0: pull it off against the Chiefs. Yeah, I think they're still struggling to adjust to the Super Rugby landscape a little bit. And then Ronnie, Jaden Fenter has a question for us this week. So Jaden, please pop us with your address so that we can send you some punted merch. But your question was, the box players joined in mid-season. Then took a break and came back. It's hard to decide what sort of form each of them are in without an uninterrupted campaign. Will this cause problems for the Boca?
1: Do I go first? Yeah. Well, I think it's just part and parcel of where we are at the moment. We spoke about player welfare. You have to rest the players. Unfortunately, they can only play a certain number of first-class games matches throughout the season, so you have to rest them. It's just unfortunately something you have to roll with. But uh, with the Boca having all their their preseason camps and alignment camps and all of that so early on already I think we've had one camp we've got another one coming up I mean that's that's where they really are going to see if somebody's in the form that we think they are
0: yeah you know I must say I do ag- tend to agree with you Jaden, that it is hard to judge where the players are at the moment because like you Am, you can't really say you've seen him have a stellar season for the Sharks because he hasn't featured that much but, I don't know, based on his
1: little chicken wing pass to Sia Khaleesi, where Sia got injured yesterday, I think is in sterling a form.
0: But you see, you, you see flashes of it. You haven't seen it on an extended run. And I think form is what you can accomplish in a season, you know, holding, holding that level of class. I, and I'm by no means saying Lukanyam does not have form. I'm just using him as an example of the situation. I just want to correct you because you used two words there, form and class. And
1: remember what they say? Form is temporary. But class is permanent.
0: Now, thanks for that one, Ronnie. You're I, I do agree. But I think the box are in the fortunate position that the Rugby Championship will be a great test of where those players actually are at. And that's plenty of time ahead of the World Cup to you know, ensure that everyone is fine-tuned going into the tournament.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, the earlier we get to start with these camps and seeing them in the Rugby Championship uh, and all of these touring games
0: and these warm-up games that they'll have, That'll be important. Without a doubt. So yeah, Jaden, I think we agree that it's tough to tell where they are at, but I think we both don't think it's going to cause a problem for the Bokker later on in the year. Something you have to roll with. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in this week. We hope you guys are having a lacquer one. And catch us back here next week, Wednesday. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and give us a review on your preferred listening platform.